You know, I say a lot. We know not is one of the most powerful things that you'll ever say as it relates to your relationship with Christ and really everything that you do. Well, not everything, because there are some rooms where saying that you don't know is not even beneficial to anybody's common goal. But we know not is the most powerful thing you can say as it relates to your faith. It is not what you know that excites God. It's what you don't know. It's the areas that have unanswered questions. It's the areas that are yet still gray. It's the areas that are yet still concerning. It's the things that you worry about and act like you really left it at the altar, but you really took it back home with you. It's the things that kind of keep you up at night, or maybe you can go to sleep at night, but it comes across your mind and you just try to scroll yourself through it. It's that memory that's just stuck right there that you don't have an answer for. Why did this thing happen to me? Why did I have to go through that? God loves the moments of, I don't know, Lord, I don't know how to start the business. God, I don't know how to operate in the ministry. God, you gave me the job. This is not what I was expecting. I don't know how to show up in this. I don't know how to raise a family. I don't know how to be the head of this household. Everybody wants to be successful until being successful makes you the breadwinner. And now everybody comes to you for help and support and guidance and everything. I don't know how to show up in this. God loves those moments. Everyone in the Bible that he chose was full of, I don't know. We can look at Paul, who had one of the greatest I don't knows that there was. We can look at Peter, who had one of the greatest I don't knows that there was. We can look at Jeremiah. We can look at Moses. We can look at Adam. And we can look at Eve. What connects us all as humans is our need to know everything. It is a blessing and a curse, knowledge. The more you know, the more money you make. The more you know, the more you have this peace within your soul. The more you know, the more you know, the more you know. But it was our desire for knowledge that led to our fall in the first place. If we go back to the garden... Because knowing is painful. I could accept that you cheated on me as long as I don't know why. A lot of people seek after closure. But they're only more hurt in the so-called closure. Because now that I know why you did it, it hurts even more. <laughs> now that I know why you did it. Now that I know. Truth be told, sometimes it is better to not have an answer. The Bible goes on to tell us that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not understand it, comprehend it, it does not know, which leaves all of this space, which leaves all of this opportunity for light to just be light, for light to be knowledgeable, for light to be glorified, for light to be in him was life and this life was the light of men and light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not understand it. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Light, 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 shining, 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 even in the midst of the most pitch black of darkness. The light yet still shines, and we don't know. It doesn't make sense why the light would choose 
darkness. You would think that light would want to be around more light. But Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm above you, above, 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 above. I'm above you. Our challenge as humans is letting go of the need to understand. But Robin, the Bible says, and all you're getting, get an understanding. Absolutely. But there are some things that only God knows. There are some things that he keeps in the palm of his hand. There are some things that he covers for God who said let lion shine out of darkness shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory and majesty of God clearly revealed in the face of Christ there are some things that only God's face knows why are we here why are we going through anything that we're going through why are we experiencing anything that we're experiencing? Who knows? I say frequently that God's goodness is only God's goodness because there's some bad to balance it out, right? That if there was no bad <laughs> to balance out the goodness, we would know that God is good. That if he hovered over something and added something to something, it would not be that exciting, but it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts. <laughs> it is the God that commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts. It is the God that created something with absolutely nothing. And we worry about our situations we worry about our circumstances and how God is going to work it out. As if, might I add, he has not already worked it out. As if we are living out a story that is being written day by day. No, the story has already been written. The Bible says declaring the end from the beginning. Meaning all of us are living out a story that is complete. We know not. We don't know how the story ends. And this is the most traumatizing part of our human experience is that we don't know how it ends. So we wake up every day and we're doing our best to control the ending. We want to go to school and we devote time to success and our job. And we try to grow and develop to have the reins on how this thing ends when the ending is already set. Now, I'm not trying to absolve us of the responsibility to make decisions that align with that destiny. Uh, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm just saying life is a lot simpler than we make it. We want to know everything and we want to know too much. I was watching this video on TikTok. It was Mel Robbins, Robinson. I think it's Mel Robbins. Shout out to her. And she was saying that a lot of people can't even look at themselves in the mirror. She said there are two people in the morning. There are the people who look in the mirror and they feel shame or something like that. And 
They look at their face and all of these imperfections and they're highlighting the areas they need to grow. And all they see is bad when they look in the mirror. She said, that's one type of person. And then she said, that's the better of the two. There's another type who doesn't even look in the mirror at all. I'm like, girl, clearly you have a ministry because why are you stepping on my toes like this? There's the person who won't even look at themselves. We live in a world of people that want to be seen, want to be seen, want to be seen. When being seen starts at home, children in their teens become promiscuous and they fall into these self-sabotaging relationships. They, they fall into these, I don't know, behavioral patterns that are more negative than they are positive because they just want to be seen. They didn't get the love that they needed at home. They didn't get the attention that they needed at home. So they started seeking it everywhere else. And it's not that they did it consciously, but it was subconscious. One of the things I tried to literally <laughs> highlight to my parents is my brother's behavior and the stuff that he does. The people he puts himself around, the situation that he gets that he gets into. Not to put his business out there. No tea, no tea, no shade. But it's only because he's seeking attention. I remember growing up, all they did was argue. The child never got any attention. And when he did, y'all were fussing at him. So now in his teens, there is still this deficit for what he never got at home. Thanks be unto God that who causes us to triumph. Everything's going to be all right. But it starts at home, right? The same goes for wanting to be seen. If I can't even look at myself in the mirror, if I can't even, we can, let's take it bigger. If I can't love me, shout out to RuPaul, how can I possibly love anybody else? <laughs> Rather, how can I expect anyone to love me if I haven't first loved me? I say always, Bible said, love you before you love somebody else. Because if you can't figure out how to love you, you can't figure out how to love anybody else. So love God, then love each other as you got to love yourself. So then we connect with horrible people and we're in horrible situations because we didn't look at ourselves and love on ourselves. First thing in the morning, we ran from it. We beat ourselves down and bully ourselves and wonder why we walk around with so much trauma and we're looking for other people to save us. I had a conversation with somebody the other day. I said, listen, all you have to do is stand up. I'm actually tired of talking to you. That's why therapists get paid so much to just listen to you talk. Babe, you're not paying me. And I'm tired of hearing you talk in circles. All you have to do is stand up. But you rather beat yourself up than love on yourself. And how in the world can I stand up against a weight that I'm pushing down on myself? You can. So there's the person who doesn't look in the mirror and I'm like, you know what, girl, that's me. It is this light that is shown in our heart. The light is yet still shining in the darkness. The moments I can't even look at myself in the mirror. Who are you? Those are the moments that matter to God. Those are the moments that matter overall.
Those are the moments where development takes place. And the moments that we run from. And the moments we would rather not look directly into. <laughs> For we see through a glass darkly, then face to face. It's the moments that we don't really want to look at. That hold the greatest amount of growth and development. People often are running away from their problems instead of facing them. I had a conversation with someone. I said, everybody has a problem. <laughs> That's why we have the ultimate solution in Jesus. <laughs> we would need him. He wouldn't have had to die. All of us need Jesus. Everybody has a problem. I think in her video, Mel went on to say that everyone has that problem that they don't talk about. <laughs> Hide it, disguise it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody does. And so you have a category of people who allow their problems to be their God, basically. They're bowing down and worshiping at the shrine of their problems. Never growing, never developing, just running, running, running their entire life. And they've been problematic their whole life. Not saying they cause problems. I'm just saying they filled with problems mentally, emotionally, uh, spiritually, psychologically, physically. Okay, can I go down the list? Professionally. He healed me, that's why. And then there's another category of people still with problems that decides to look those problems right in the face and solve them. One step at a time, piece by piece. I'm off of therapy if therapy is what you need. But my only issue with therapy is, like I said, people like to talk. I'm not one to just sit up here and talk. That's why I never care for therapy. I mean, it's good sometimes. It, it, it was it, it was definitely good, like, sometimes. But I want solution. I don't care to just sit here talking to, and learn how to cope with my problems. Baby, I want to solve these things. And so when people say that they've been in therapy for 50, 60 years, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not even that old. So I, I'm going to stop putting my mouth on that. But from this place, this perspective, and right now, I say, well, what the hell was going on? You've been in therapy that long. What the hell? Are you not listening? Is there not a good therapist? Do you just like spending money to talk? I'm confused. Because if you are actually looking your problems in the face, don't you think that you'll find a solution? I don't know, maybe not. Maybe our problem is always looking for a solution instead of loving the fact that all of us have problems. And we can either run from them or we can dare to square up with them and look them in the face and be stronger and be wiser and be better. The only reason we know 2 plus 2 equals 4 is because somebody sat down and added up the numbers. The same applies for every single area of all of our lives. We got to sit down and count that thing up. Add it up. What does it equal? This is the importance of looking yourself in the mirror every day. It's taking that equation and applying pencil to paper.
to figure it out. Now, I want to be clear because I want to make sure I wrap this in a bow. We're trying to figure things out that aren't our business to figure out. That's what I want us to get out of doing as a people, as a believing people, as believers in Jesus, the Christ. We need to get out of business that is not ours. We don't know how it all plays out. We don't know how this ends. But as it relates to the areas of our life that we can control, those are the areas that we have to start putting more steam behind. It's like we put a lot of energy behind what is in our business and little energy behind what is our business. We're over here trying to figure out the entire picture and how everything's going to go in the end. But seldom are you waking up every day giving it the best that you have per day. I saw this video by Pastor Toei Roberts. Uh, I can only paraphrase it because I don't remember it like that. But I, I remember the point and the message behind it was this. A lot of people embark on trying on a journey of trying to do something. They set out to do something. When it's really about who do you want to be. Everything Jesus did was in alignment with who he be. Who he is. Everything that we do in life revolves around who we are. For God who said let light shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of glory and majesty of God clearly revealed in the face of Christ. The only way for you to change the world and impact the world and add something to this world is to be who you are. I have this newspaper article um, of Sarah Jakes Roberts. Well, Bishop is on there too. Bishop Jakes is on there and his whole team. But I have the page of Sarah Jakes Roberts hanging up. Why? I love my bishop. Yet I connect more with Sarah's story, you know, and she's for the women and all that stuff. But I connect with her story because I was not perfect. I'm still not perfect. No goody two shoes. And so a lot of people in ministry don't show that and you never see it. People just pop up and they're amazing at the word and you don't know their stories and stuff like that. But her story so boldly has been shown to the world and to see how God had a plan for her life, despite all the ups and downs and the craziness. Truth be told, I don't know her whole story. Again, she's for the women, so I don't, I'm not deeply connected, deeply connected, like as far as in the depth. But baby, every time she's preaching, I'm going to be watching it. It don't matter if she's in Africa. When she was over in uh, Nigeria, I was watching it there too. Gang, okay? shout out to Sarah Jakes Roberts. And I think I'm going to sneak into Women Evolve this year. Okay? <laughs> Moral of this story is this newspaper on it says we are who we have been waiting for. Who are you? If we ever can get to the solid place of loving ourselves, or maybe if we can just get to the place of knowing who we are, maybe that would then produce the love that we need. 
When you know who you are and you are completely solid in the knowing of who you are, you have no reason to feel shame. Why would you not want to look at yourself? The Bible goes on to say, and this is what actually led me to this text. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, goes on to say, as we are waiting, here we go. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay? If we could ever get solid in who we are, because who we are isn't based on our flesh, it's based on our faith. And if we could stabilize in that, ourselves in that, we would never not look at ourselves because who we are isn't based on what happens externally. It's based on what's going on internally, which is why our mistakes don't matter. We can take it to faith where what you do in the body and the mistakes you make, it's not canceling your salvation. It doesn't matter, arguably, overall. God is looking at the heart posture of the thing. And then when it gets into your identity, so we got faith over there, but when it gets into your identity in this world, if you would ever get so solid on who God says that you are on the inside and who you know that you are on the inside, why wouldn't you wake up in the morning and, and be the first person to say, hey, beautiful to you? I don't need a good morning text. I, 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 it's right here. I'm the good morning text, Okay. Mel Robbins goes on to say in the video at the end, she's like, it's not about being overly confident. It's not about being cocky. That, that's not what this is about. I had to tell somebody one day, you need to, you, you weren't about being prideful. Baby, you're insecure. <laughs> you need to find, <laughs> tapping into pride is a little bit far away. Baby, you're still in insecurity. And even there lies a problem because we are so inefficient in operating in our strength, yet we continue to make ourselves weaker and weaker and weaker by not loving ourselves, by not living for ourselves. I said on live, I talked about this story where my bishop cousin had to tell me, well, he, we were in the car having a conversation and I just, I'm, I'll just tell y'all again. I ended up going to Atlanta from Dallas and me and my cousin had a flight the same day and I didn't know it. So I landed and he was going to be there in like an hour or two. And I was like, okay, I'll wait at the airport for you. Cause you know, it's Atlanta airport. So it's big, it's restaurants, you know, you could chill. And so I did just that. And we have similar thorns, similar weaknesses, right? And so I talked about how, you know, the Bible says you become who you hang around. We understand this in business. We understand this in psychology, that if you're around four broke people, they say you end up being the fifth. If you're around five rich people, you end up being the sixth one. You become who you put yourself around. And so I waited. And then finally in that waiting, I ended up uh, having, I ended up lying saying I was going to the bathroom and then I disappeared and never came back, blocked, delete 
uh, separation. <laughs> and so it never came back around until later. Mind you, this is a grown man, like almost 30 type grown. So it, it never should have been that deep, right? And so me at my younger age, I'm like, oh no, I got to separate or else I'm going to end up being just like you. And I don't want to make this a slanderous combo, so I'm going to get up out that pocket. But I just want to highlight the fact that at 17 years old, we started getting close. He was there for me when I left at 17. I was by myself and all that good, great stuff. Okay, but from 17 to now at 22, my evolution is solid. From 17 to 22 and looking at your life, however old you are now, it's like um, there's a disconnect here. The very fact that you went and ran and told your mama that I separated from you and you're grown should speak volumes to y'all. Okay, no slander. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to get y'all some background so it makes sense. So I love my cousin. My favorite art pieces are by him. But, you know, we're not at war with flesh and blood with powers and principalities. And uh, I, if we're both struggling, we two alcoholics can't support each other. Not that he's an alcoholic. It's just the point that you know, I hope that made that clear. So I'm leaving church one day, my cousin's church, and we're about to get in the car. And I want his mom, my auntie, or my cousin, whatever, you know how we, y'all know, we call people cousins and aunties and stuff, this, whatever. I'm like, hey, and I'm happy or whatever. And she's like, I'm mad at you. Or I have a problem with you. And I was like, oh, okay. Join the club of people, okay? They hate me all across the club. Babe. They hate me everywhere. So what's the tea? What's the shake? Come on, let me know. Let me know. <laughs> and she starts, you know, talking about what happened with my cousin. I was like, oh, okay, I love you. And then we, it was like a quick combo. And we, it, it was a separation. We're in the car and I, either my aunt or my cousin ended up bringing it back up. The ones that were obviously in the face. My other aunt was in a different state. And I'm trying to explain to them without really getting in my business and uncovering it that, like, that's just not good company for me. And I, I realized that at the last minute, like, no, I just don't need to be going with it. I just don't. I need to separate from the situation. And so I'm like, because it was so painful for me, there are some things that I can only slice and get away from. Like, I can't peacefully break away. Maybe I'm not that healed. Maybe I'm not that whole. I've got to just get away from that thing because that's how traumatizing and terrible that it is for me. I I just had to, all I could do was ghost you, babe. I'm sorry. That was all I had to offer in that moment. My bishop said, in that moment, he says, sometimes you have to do what's best for you. He had my back. I'm so thankful that he did, because who knows how I would have felt, what I would have thought had I moved on from that moment. But he knew exactly what I needed, because of course they were it don't necessarily look right from one perspective. Yeah, but we don't look at the things that are seen. For the things that are seen are only temporary. I did that because of the eternity of my soul and what that was going to produce in my soul. Robin, what's your point? My point is that there are some moments when all you can do is what's best for you. And what's best for you is always what's best for God. We think that what's best for us is a separation from God. No, what's really best for you is always going to be in support of God. It's always, always, always going to be in alignment with him. Because why would God not want the best for you? Paul said, literally, he had to separate the moment that he stepped into ministry. He couldn't go back to anybody else. He had to separate. Had he not separated, the connection would have manipulated God's mission for his life. 
Jephthah. He ended up reconnecting later, and I look forward to reconnecting with many people that I had to separate from. The Lord willing and God bring us back together at the right place and at the right time. But there are some seasons where you just got to do what's best for you. So my question is, how are you doing what's best for you? We focus a lot on beating ourselves down instead of building ourselves and doing what's best for you. Waking up in the morning, looking in the mirror, smiling, speaking life and not death over yourself, lifting yourself up and not putting you down is what's best for you. God doesn't need you ridiculing and overanalyzing and beating yourself up. That's not how he speaks to us, period. I've never had a conversation with God where he beat me up. Conviction for sure, but conviction doesn't beat you up. Conviction builds you up. So how are you speaking to yourself? Who are you putting yourself around? What are you seeing? <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What are you seeing? What are you seeing? A lot of people in Detroit, I encourage my mom not to come back to Michigan over and over again. Like, I don't get it. Why she tries to reason with ever coming back to Michigan. I don't care if the job is paying you more money. She left because she realized that people in Detroit only see the same thing. It's people here, and I love my city. I love Detroit. I literally love Detroit. I do. Not more than I love Atlanta, okay? But I do love Detroit. <laughs> and people here think they all this and all that having been nowhere. Now, I'm not speaking to the people who have and who've done things and just choose to come to Michigan. I'm speaking to Detroit. You ain't been nowhere. You ain't seen nothing. This world is so big and there's so much to offer, baby. I haven't seen much. Now, I've seen more than Detroit, for sure. I can toot at that horn and talk about that business. But there's still so much for me to see and come to know and be exposed to. Please, come on now. So I'm like, you got away from this thing. But the only thing that has held her back was the detachment of what's behind you to connect with and attach to what's ahead of you. So you got to lose friends and you got to lose different circles and you got to be willing to be uncomfortable and meet new people. So what are you seeing? And so we wonder, why is the east side of Detroit so bad? Because that's all they saw was killing, robbing, stealing, fraudulent behavior. That's all they saw, so that's all they can duplicate. What are you seeing literally? What are you watching? I had to be intentional. There was a time when I had to reprogram my FYP and literally click not interested. And I'm, I'm very big on that. Like a lot of the trends... Like, I think I like this little, whatever it is, that didn't come across my FYP because I made sure at the first, I made sure when I found out that it was a poison, I'm not interested, not interested, not interested. I know I'm on Christian TikTok, but I don't want to talk about it. I'm not about to gossip with y'all and do none of that talking about other people or artists that are blasphemy. I don't care. Not interested because I got to watch what I see. I got to make sure certain stuff that I see isn't hitting my weak spots and giving my weakness strength 
amplifying it. I got to make sure I'm intentional about what I see. Or else it's going to mess me up. This is Bible. I'm looking forward to going back to Atlanta. Not long from now. I'll keep my business my business. Because I'm intentional about what I see. Both spiritually and naturally. You have to know this, if nothing else. God does not desire your strength. God desires your weakness. It is the area that you are the most inadequate, uncertain, concerned, anxious, and fearful that God desires to give you faith. This is why God does not let us be perfect without him, because we would not need him. We build and grow in our relationship with God and our relationship with Christ by submitting what hurts to the one who can help. When I'm scared to step into every moment, can I make it specific? I say all the time, I am, there is not an absence of nerves when I go live. In fact, I would love to run away from it if I could be real. The moments I don't is me running away. Can I be real? I'll just be transparent with you. And that's the area that God wants to give me faith. It, because I can't do it without him. It don't matter what I study. It doesn't matter how. It, none of that matters. I can't do it without him. And he knows that and would never put me in a position to not have him. So then it requires that I lay that at his feet and say, Lord, I'm scared, but I'm going to give you my fear to receive your faith. Lord, I'm in this opportunity. Lord, I'm in this position and I don't really know how to do this. Lord, I keep trying to look at my, I keep looking back at my resume, trying to find out where I got the experience for this thing and I can't find it. So now I'm fearful and I want to uh, reject the opportunity that's meant to expand me, that's meant to increase me. I've got to be willing to lay that fear down to pick up some faith. Every giant that you stand before, you got to be willing to lay down that fear and pick up some faith. All you need is a few stones. David said, I don't even need armor. I just got faith and faith is going to be enough. I remember there was one point I was going to hire somebody to uh, to make me a resume. Baby, I was going to fake resume it. For sure, I was, was going to do something, okay? And I said, no, I don't need this armor. All I need is a few stones and I'm going to use what I got in faith that God is going to back that thing up. Every day of your life. I would love to be completely strong. But that's where pride comes in. Satan has a day of doom assigned to him because you chose to be weak. Lucifer did not have to choose to be weak. We don't choose to be weak. God has given us, allowed us to be weak, that we don't ever make that same mistake, that the only way we'll ever be strong is by him. I want you to know that you got this. And we try to convince ourselves to be confident. No, 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 that, that's not what it's about. It's about believing what the Bible says, that your confidence just comes from Christ. I am confident in my abilities to do some things, but truth be told, I'm just more confident in God's love for me. 
I'm just more confident in the fact that God loves me enough to back me up. I'm just confident in God that, that he loves me enough to keep me safe and support me. And so our challenge is moving forward in the love of God every single day. And if we are really boldly going to move forward in the love of God, you're going to have to move boldly forward in the love of self because that is how you end up fulfilling both commandments, which is to love him above everything. Love each other as you love yourself. Now you've fulfilled everything that was required of you because you started operating in love. But you cannot say you love God if you hate yourself because now you're hating what God loves and hating what God created. You are hating you is saying I also hate him. Fear. Most of us fear that which isn't even real. There are moments when I'm on live that I have to go into the state of thought where it's just me and God. Literally, there are moments when I, I can't stand people, no shade to either of these people, but I can't stand people who every time they pray, they have to yell. I mean, I get caught up in the spirit too, and I be getting loud and all the different stuff. I go through motions in my prayers, okay? But I can't stand people who every time they pray in front of a person got to do this, I don't know. <laughs> so in praying in front of people, <laughs> I have to go to this place where I remind myself, I'm just talking to God. <laughs> I don't have to yell for nobody. I don't have to do nothing. I'm just talking to God. The moments that I'm talking on the camera, I try to act like nobody's watching me. It's just between me and God. Pastor Torrey Roberts, he said he moves on from messages and he's on to the next thing. I have to exercise that in my life. Moving on to the next thing. Post it and let it go. I've posted a lot of videos that everybody didn't see. Because I'm going to post it, I'm going back and I'm watching it and I'm deleting it. Why? Are you confident in what God has placed in you? Are you confident in who God says you are? Are you confident in who God says that you are? The most challenging thing about being who you are is the submission that's required to do it effectively. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves to God. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Submit yourself to God. And everybody's submission looks different. We have the foundation of the Bible. And then God convicts you to submit. Where? In the area of your weakness. In the area that you're insecure. In the area that you're fearful. In the area that you are uncertain. That is where God wants you to submit yourself. And just trust that he's got you. Peter wasn't submitted when he stepped out onto the water because as soon as the winds and the waves started blowing, he turned back. How submitted to God's will for your life are you? Are you going to keep going even when it gets hard? Or are you going to give up? As it relates to me and my ministry, if I could be transparent, you know, the fear of transparency, and I was going to put this on my blog, is that being transparent, for some reason, people automatically want to give you sympathy. And it's like, babe, why are you trying to give me sympathy? That ain't the point of me being transparent. But as it relates to my own ministry, I feel like I started walking on the water and then the winds and the waves, it made me just start 
singing. I was going to say I was a little bit different than Peter. I think I just walked back. Like I'm still walking on water, but I'm going to start walking back off the water onto the boat, okay? <laughs> and he's like, but didn't you ask to come out and walk on the water? Didn't you ask to come to me? I said, yeah, God, but I think I might just stay on the boat. How submitted are you? There are going to be winds and waves every day of your life. Because God is just trying to see, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me when you can't trace me? But it's not even that we can't trace him. Are you going to trust me when I'm out here on the water with you? Are you going to trust me? And every day that you wake up in the morning, when you look in the mirror, whether it's tears streaming down your face or whether it's a smile, whether it's worry, your confession should always be, Lord, I trust you. And everything that you need would be in that moment. The moment that you decide to stop trying to do it all by yourself and do it with the help of God. But you can't be 50% in that thing. You got to be all the way in. God will give you everything that you need as long as you're all the way in. I'm telling you, I know it to be true. I told y'all, we go and grow together. So the message evolves as God reveals his message to me. I know a God that meets you in your nothing. And sustains you in your nothing that you still might appear as something. And that same God that met you in nothing and covered you in the nothing to make you seem like something. Then, 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 then desires that you do partner with him in becoming something more. So I graced you on this level. Good. Now I need you to come a little bit higher. And I've got grace for you on that level. But now I need you to come a little bit higher. Faith to faith, glory to glory. We're climbing, babe. So the message of now is that you can't do it at 50% with God. No, you cannot reach seven, eight, nine figures running at 50% with God. You got to be 100. Now, God will meet you. He'll meet you. Because 100 is not a hand thing. 100 is a heart thing. Bishop Murphy has a song. I think it's the song Working For Our My Good. It's Working For Good. Something like that. He says, I haven't been perfect. But I've sure been faithful. God has a purpose. And I know he's able. I've got a seed in the ground. And it's blessing, no more stressing. I've got a seed in the ground. And it's showing something like that. And it's knowing this is my season for grace, for favor. Somebody say I got favor. This is my season to reap what I have sown. I know us to be in a reaping season. This is my season. Sing it with me if you know it. For grace, for favor, 
This is my season to reap what I have sown. I don't, everything is working. Yeah, it is that song. Everything is working together for my good. Yeah. Now, now, once I get these vocal lessons, I'm telling you, I'm coming for everybody. I may just have to switch to the entertainment industry. Because <laughs> once I get my vocal lessons, I'm coming for everybody. Listen, 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 listen. Ladies and gentlemen, you got this because God has you. I, I used to say, I got this and God got me. But it's necessary for me to change up how it's communicated. You've got this because God has you. If God be for you, be for. If God haven't gone ahead of you, if God haven't gone be uh, far ahead of you, be for you, meaning he's with us, meaning he's in favor of us. But if he's before, hear it, hear it differently, gone ahead of us, who can be against you because you're not walking in anything unwritten? I, I want to say that again. Your life is not random or pointless. Everything is happening in alignment with God's will. This is what Ephesians chapter 1 means when it speaks to God. Everything operating at the counsel of his will. That you are only living out the story that has already been written. It's sitting on his shelf. Your story's already written. You just got to keep on walking the text. Walking the text. Walking. Putting one foot in front of the other. Believing that there is more. If you're listening to this podcast, it's because something on the inside of you believes that there's more. I know who I'm connected to. If you're listening to this podcast, it's because there's something, something, something down on the inside of you that is ready to be birthed. If you're listening to this podcast, it's because something down on the inside of you is ready to stop settling for less than where God has already told you that you belong. Something down on the inside of you is just getting fed up with fear. And I believe firmly that something down on the inside of you is going to be bold enough to exchange your fear for God's faith. The Bible says that he is the author and perfecter of our faith, meaning he not only <laughs> he gave it to you and he's purling what he's given you in you. He that began a good work in you is going to complete what he started. Hallelujah. You got this because God has you. I love you. I look forward to seeing you also very soon. If you haven't already, well, therobinboyton.com is <clears throat> just, if you haven't already, go on therobinboyton.com, sign up for the ministry newsletter. It's just amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. Amazing, good content, amazing, good content, okay? have an email that I'm about to send right now to get us started for this day, this day, this day. So check that out. Um, explore everything, the Robin Boynton, everything. If you go on my TikTok, click my link tree, everything is linked there. If you connected with me through Instagram, go click my link tree, everything is there. This podcast episode is on Apple, it's on Spotify, it's on iHeart. I mean, clearly you know where it is if you're listening to it. Um, visuals, visuals, visuals. The thing with the visuals is, because... I never posted. It gave very much Beyonce. Where are the visuals? I didn't post the visuals because um, uh, I didn't like it. I actually didn't like the episode at all because I didn't like the audio. And so I'm trying to figure out. Um, I think I need to get a different mic. I don't think I'm going to do the mic for the live streams. Um, it seems better without the mic. It seems like that. that that's more exciting. 
for the people. So I don't think I'm going to do the mic for the live streams. I don't know. So we're going to see. I'm detail-oriented. Didn't I say I was no longer going to say I'm a perfectionist? I'm detail-oriented. I'm detail-oriented. I'm detail-oriented. So I'm believing God for the wisdom. I look forward to going home shortly. (laughs) I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to hop back in the ring regarding some things. And um, that's all I've got for you today. You got this because God has you. You're a champion. You're a winner. You're an achiever. You are a leader. You are chosen. You got this. And I'll see you also very soon. Peace out, (laughs) y'all. I love you.